Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Ah, Christmas. Oh, everything about Christmas. Oh, you just love it. The magic, the twinkling lights. And by the way, isn't the church decorated so nicely? I love it. The hot chocolate. The merry music of Bing Crosby or Nat King Cole, right? The smell of Christmas cookies. The happy of family that arrives to Charlie Brown's Christmas tree farm. And they pick out the perfect tree. And guess what? Every single one in the family agrees that it's the perfect tree. (laughs) I'm trying my best here, people. I am. Ah, Christmas. You attend the most wonderful celebrate with family service at Hope Church ever The following day, you wake up to the fresh smell of coffee that your partner made for you while you were still in bed, getting all that rest that you needed. And then comes the weatherman's surprise that there's going to be snow in the forecast for Christmas. And it's going to start lightly on Christmas Eve and then just build its way up to that like monster snowstorm on Christmas morning where you're just locked in your house with your beautiful family. And you look forward to spending Christmas Eve with your closest friends and family. And at that point, the light snow begins to fall. Everything is perfect. You go to bed. Everything is ready for Christmas morning. Ah, Christmas. Now, I will spare you and I will stop with the Hallmark movie already. By the way, uh, side note, I actually watched a Hallmark movie um, last week with my wife. Knowing full well what to expect, by the way, and I still was unprepared for the amount of garland. And it could have been like a drinking game, like literally every scene Every scene, didn't matter if they were in a bedroom, if they were in a cafe, on the street, on the, in the kitchen, everything had so much garland. My word. Ah, Christmas. The most wonderful time of the year uh, for many. But, and it is, and it is, but for many of us, um, you know, Christmas doesn't always go the way that I just described. It doesn't always go. As planned, does it? Um, Most likely, you know, uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year, but it might be also the most stressful time of the year. It's just not fun to sing about that, but it's true. Um, Things don't go to plan. Uh, Children and the weather very rarely cooperate with your ideal. And in the blink of an eye, it's over. And if you're anything like me, you're left to wonder, Is it worth it? So I'm going to get real personal for a moment here. Um, 
and please don't think any less of me. I, I don't always do well during the Christmas season. Okay, you could silently raise your hand or nod, or if I'm on my other planet, just bear with me for the next 25 minutes or so. I, I, always, I don't always do well on Christmas. It's a very stressful, anxiety-producing time for me uh, for several reasons. I, first of all, I've been in church my entire life, pretty much. And I've been working in church world full-time for over 25 years. And I know that people look at the church as, you know, the place to go for joy and comfort and serenity. And we want to bring as much of that as we can. But the, honestly, we have to prepare for that. And it's very hard. And it goes and it goes and it goes. And I know it's just one little piece of what you do, but it's what we do constantly. And it is a very hard season. And, and, and I have grown to be a little bit of a cynic. And maybe that's where this idea came from, giving up on Christmas. Because sometimes, oh, can it just be over already? That's how I feel. I'm being honest. Don't call me a Grinch. It is what it is. And what's worse is, what in the world do you teach for a Christmas series? I mean, we've heard the Christmas story over and over and over again. And it's great. It's wonderful. But I'm out of ideas, people. <laughs> so this is where um, we had to stop. And as Carrie and I started thinking, I was like, you know what? Why can't we go off of that idea? What if this idea of giving up on Christmas was a thing? I mean, last Christmas for me uh, was a blur. As many of you know, uh, my dad, my best friend, actually passed away a week before Christmas, very unexpectedly. So I also understand around the holidays, if you're feeling pain and anxiety and struggling with that, I get it in a different way than I ever have before. See, this ideal of happiness and peace sometimes isn't all of what it's made out to be. And maybe it even seems impossible. So I figured this Christmas, I want to journey together in our exploration of the Christmas story that we all know and love. And maybe just slightly, for a few moments, just reimagine it a little bit. Maybe we look at some of the lesser known parts of the story, actually, and we really kind of figure out what's going on there, and that's what I want to do today. What if some of the earliest characters and details in the story were just slightly altered? That they decided they didn't want any part in the Christmas story. What would it have meant not only for them, but for us, for the world. And maybe, just maybe, we will realize that we shouldn't be so quick to give up on Christmas. And maybe, just maybe, God wants to teach us something new. And so with that in mind, we start this series, Giving Up on Christmas. Uh, so when we think of Christmas... There is a particular Bible story that we think about, and uh, extra credit, if someone could tell me uh, the, um, the book and chapter that we read the Christmas story in the Bible. Does anybody know that? Luke chapter 2. 
Luke chapter 2. Um, and did you know this? More Bible trivia for you. That there's only one other place in the entire Bible that talks about the Christmas story. Did you know that? Did you realize that? Maybe not. All right, so again, I, I like to just make sure we're all on the same page because I don't know all of your background and where you're coming from and what you know, and if you don't even want to be here or not, I get all that. So here's, I'm just going to start from the beginning. So like there's four books in what we call the New Testament of the Bible. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and there's four of them that start off the New Testament, and they're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those books talk about the life of Jesus, and so we just said, hey, we know that Luke is one of the books that talks about it. Does John talk about the birth of Jesus? Maybe the most famous gospel of the four. Guess what? Nothing there. Know that I think about the book of Mark. Does Mark say anything about the birth of Jesus? Guess what? Nothing there. You got to go to Matthew. And Matthew has this kind of this quick little blurb about the Christmas story. And basically, we have two chapters in all of the Bible that give us any inkling about what goes on in the Christmas story. Did you realize that? And so for years and years as we tell this story, we have, we have come to the best explanation as we possibly can, but let's get, get something straight. There's a lot of speculation there. We go and we look, we, we try our best to figure out what was culturally going on at the time, what was going on politically, and what was going on religiously, and we kind of parse out the different characters, and a lot of it we have to speculate on, and guess what? During this series, we're going to speculate a little bit. What I'm trying to say is that we don't know, believe it or not, a ton about the Christmas story, even though we've heard it our whole lives. And questions abound. Here's just a few. Um, where was Jesus actually born? Do we know? Now, I'm not talking the town. Like, in what place? Was it, was it an inn? Was it a barn? Was it a cave? Was it someone's house? Now, as I've studied it and looked at it, I'm actually surprised at what might have been. But again, it's speculation. We think we have some good ideas. Uh, how many wise men or magi came to visit Jesus? Now, we always depict three. Was it three? Was there less? Was there more? I don't know. We do our best job over the years to speculate about that. Um, we also, we have to ask the question, what did engagement mean? Or some of the Bible might say betrothal. That's a fancy word, betrothal. What does that even mean? Would you know? Are you equating that with what we identify uh, that to mean? If you did, you're probably wrong. And all of these things are question marks. And so today, as we start this off, I want to look at one of the characters in the Christmas story. And it's a character that, believe it or not, is rarely talked about in all of Scripture. But I think there are some huge lessons for us today. If we simply look at what we know and we begin to imagine the story, I want to talk about Joseph. Joseph. We talked a lot about Mary. But what do we know about Joseph? And what would be the difference if he decided not to play his part in the Christmas story? 
And so the way we're going to do this is we're going to put Luke 2 to the side, at least for today. We are going to look at that little tiny part in Matthew chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, that's where you could turn. If you're online, you could look at the notes online. We are going to go through several verses of Matthew today. We're going to see what we can find out about Joseph. It's going to be on the screen where you can follow along as well. All right? So let's dive in. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 1. This is what we read. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob. I'm going to stop right there for a second. You start reading this, and you start to look at all of the genealogy of Scripture. And I'm not going to go much into that, because I think we're going to do that in another week. But we start to look through this, and here's a couple things I want to set up very quickly. So we see, now we say, what are the ancestors of Jesus you know, the Holy One who was born. He's a descendant of David and Abraham, two of the key figures in Israel's history. Abraham, the father of Israel, the father of the nation, and David, considered the greatest king of that nation throughout all this time span. So he goes on, he starts listing. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Then we drop down to verse six, and there we find David's. Uh, Jesse was the father of King David. So here we see David in the lineage of Jesus. We're gonna drop down to verse 16. And Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. There he is for the first time. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So let's um, start with some interesting facts about Joseph that we can tell through this passage and throughout Scripture. First of all, he was a descendant of King David. Really interesting stuff. Meaning he was a distant relative of a royal line. Uh, but we know... Um, that he uh, was not royalty, he was a carpenter, or at least we think. We may be speculating about that. The actual word is tecton, which means craftsman. So some people think he was a stonemason. Others would just say, no, he's kind of a master craftsman. He, he uh, does various things throughout his life. But the point being is he was not royalty at this point but he was part of a royal lineage. Uh, here's what we also know about Joseph, because names, I've said this before, names are really important in that day and in that culture. And his name means God will add or God will give, which is very significant and very interesting, I think. We can most certainly connect, here's something you might not realize or know, that Bethlehem, was his hometown. See, Bethlehem was David's hometown. And this lineage that we see, we can definitely conclude, and most, well, a lot of scholars do, believed he also lived there. And that's kind of what we know about Joseph as we get into Matthew. So let's pick it up now in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, a couple of verses later. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. 
But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. And I highlighted that word righteous. Depending on your Bible translation, it might say a couple other things. It might say he was a good man. Other Bible translations might say he was a just man. And the whole root of this word was justice. So the Bible's saying he was a person who was very concerned about justice. And it's what contributed to his character. He was calling him a highly moral man. He had this sense of justice about him. It was a description of his character, not of his deeds. It would seem he had a reputation for advocating for people who had trouble, who may have had a a whole lot to deal with, or maybe who had experienced a gross sense of injustice. And it tells us that Joseph was a person who thought about and cared for those people. On top of that, here's what we also know, but when we look at the, like, the later end of Luke chapter 2, um, and later on, when the only other time we see him, uh, when he goes to the temple, we know that he was a faithful, faithfully religious person. He understood Jewish law and custom, and he, and he worshiped, worshiped in that way. So here we have this guy, if you're following with me, he has, he has royal ancestry in his lineage, but he works as a common craftsman. In every sense I get about Joseph, he seems to be this quiet, understated, yet strong and steady person who has a real soft spot for injustice. Specifically, people who were in need of extra love, care, and kindness. And so, true to form, when we start reading this passage about how he responds when he finds out that Mary was pregnant, he actually ends up in a real dilemma in his mind. You see, engagement in that day means something very different from what we think of as engagement, as much as I can understand. In fact, some scholars would say they were already married. Did you know that? Because the way it worked in that day was this was a huge, long, big process called betrothal. And engagement meant all of the stuff that was behind the scenes that needed to be done was done. Marriage was a transaction. And money was exchanged And property was exchanged. Whatever terms there were, the families came to an agreement and the agreement was made. It was set in stone. It was legal. It was done. There were just two things that hadn't happened yet. They didn't have the ceremony and they didn't consummate the marriage. So by every right, you look at this and they are together. They are a couple. And this, I want to just say this. What would you say? And how would you react when you found out that your girl was pregnant and it wasn't you. But I may be getting a little bit ahead of myself. 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. I love this. This gives me a little bit of insight into Joseph. Not only his personality, but his character. You see, this is what you need to understand. In that day, women had very few rights. Many, if not most marriages, were arranged marriages. And so like I said, knowing what we already know, all of the behind-the-scenes stuff had already taken place. And he found out she was pregnant. And let me ask you, what do you think happened often when someone who was betrothed was found pregnant? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I hear the mumblings out there. If Joseph pursued this, he had every right to have Mary stoned. That's just the way it was in this day. Now, I understand. I get get it, people. We don't think about this because culturally we don't have that context. But this is what I believe was going on in this day. And yet Joseph really, really struggled with this in his spirit. He goes, I don't want this to happen to her. Sense of injustice, high morals, good man. I don't want this to happen. What do I do? I'm going to try to make this as easy as possible for me and for her. And so what does he do? Do you know? He decides to get rid of her quietly. But he's trying to do everything to protect her in the meantime. So I want to just imagine for a second, let's speculate. What if the story stopped right there? Where does that leave him? Where does that leave Mary? Where does that leave Jesus? Where does that leave us? What if Joseph had decided to give up on the Christmas story as we know it? Have you ever been challenged with a dilemma in your life? You did not know what to do, but you were leaning towards this was so bad and this was so um, hurtful that you had this strong sense that you needed to cut it off right there, right then, right now, you were done. And by the way, just like in Joseph's case, no one would blame you if you did. Stuff out of your control, things that you didn't plan. Have you ever been faced with a dilemma like that? Maybe you're facing one right Here's what we need to know, I believe, about God. He knows things that we don't. And he always has a reason for his plans. That's one thing we need to keep in mind about God. Again, we call that his sovereignty. Here's what I know about us, about you and about me. We know very little about the big picture. We do not know. And this is what makes it such a conflict. And this is why you need to find a way to be able to hear the voice of God in your life. I need to be able to find a way to get God's wisdom, to hear his voice in my life. And this is the first lesson I want us to consider today. Number one, are you listening? Are you listening? You had a plan, and you had it all worked out. 
everything was good. And then you found out something that rocks you to the core and now you do not know. You are gonna have a challenge. And you have to stop and you have to listen for God's voice. Get back to that in a second. Let's look what happens next in, the, in our story. Matthew chapter one, verse 20 says, and he, Joseph, considered this, meaning he was about to put Mary away. And as he had decided that, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and it said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Easier said than done. And again, I, I question, what would have happened if Joseph said, mm-mm? You see, God's voice was saying, don't be afraid. I'm up to something. I have something in store. I have my way that I want to work out. This was my doing. And so what did Joseph do? Verse 21, and she will have a son, the angel continues, and you are to name him Jesus. By the way, that was custom in those days as well. The man named the child. For he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, who said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary, his wife. And he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus, Yeshua, salvation. So I ask again, what would have happened if Joseph said no? What if Joseph gave up on the Christmas story that God was trying to write? You know, it's possible everything would have just gone on just as normal. God could have moved on and asked someone else. The truth is, we don't know. It's speculation. But here's where I just want to say, if we are being prompted by God, let's make this parallel. If we are being prompted by God to do something, Maybe it's a bold step of faith or a conversation that you need to have with someone. Or maybe it's just responding to God himself as salvation or something other. My first question, the first thing I want to take away from Joseph's life is, are you listening? See, he was in a place where he was listening to God. But the second thing I want to ask is, is then will you step out and do That may be just as hard, if not harder. For those of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, you get this. This is a really, really hard thing. It's tough because sometimes, and listen to this, sometimes our obedience means we're going to take some hits for it. We have something to lose when we say yes. And for me, this is another striking piece of Joseph's story. He had everything to lose. Think about it. There was nothing good for him in this deal. His reputation, his very reputation, his very livelihood on some levels would be at stake. And yet he decided to listen 
and to do. And a part of that was trusting and obeying the voice of God in his life. And in spite of the ridicule and public humiliation that inevitably came his way, he chose to accept the role that God gave him. You've lived in Bethlehem your whole life. You come from royalty. Your great, 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 however many great grandfather is King David. You are a faithful Jew. You have heard of the coming Messiah your entire life. You know what to expect. People were looking for something, right? And all of a sudden, Joseph finds out that, hey, I'm going to use you to make it happen, to be the earthly father to a heavenly king. I'm just a simple guy. And God knew exactly what he was doing when he chose Joseph. And now here's the deal. Joseph didn't have to say yes. You see, God never forces our hand. Listen to me on this. He never forces our hand. He simply prompts our heart. God is never going to force your hand into something that he's calling you to do, but he's prompting your heart. And now you have a choice to respond. And the very little we know about Joseph, I consistently see a pattern in his life. He had a plan. God changed the plan. He listened and he obeyed. It sounds so simple. It sounds so nice. But you know, just as much as I do, that we've got our plan and we like to stick with our plan. And we will fight for it. My question is, are you willing to listen? And are you willing to trust God and obey? It struck me as I was preparing for this about Joseph's story. Of course, I mentioned it. He's part of this royal lineage. He had a reputation for justice and for love and for mercy. And even in the way he responded to Mary, we see that. It gives me a little insight as to how he felt in that moment. And he gave up his reputation and chose to be shamed for God's glory and God's kingdom purposes. And I started thinking, huh, that sounds familiar to me. Can you think of anybody else that we could say that about? It's Jesus. And it makes me wonder, sorry. Because even as a dad, I feel this. The influence we have in such small ways on our kids' lives. And I think about that, and I don't know, it's speculation. I wonder how much Jesus was shaped by his earthly dad. Not, even as much as his heavenly father, we know. But you see this sense of love and justice and mercy and grace and fighting for those who need fought for. Do you know there's not a single recorded word that Joseph speaks in all of the scripture that I see. 
His actions spoke louder than words. It also seems that he didn't live very long. There's no indication that he was present even when Jesus died 33 years later. One of the ways I know that is because what, is the, uh, what does he say to his people? Down there? He goes, hey, to his disciples, please take care of my mom. He, we, don't, we don't have any indication that he was around. And I think in Joseph, we get this glimpse of Jesus. And here's, here's, what I'm, here's the big question for all of us today. Are you willing to give up your plan for the work that God wants to do in and through you? I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that. But realize it comes with a cost. You might have to give up your reputation, your status, your job. I don't know what it is. But are you willing, if you can hear God's voice, are you willing to give up your plan for the work that God wants to do in and through you? God uses ordinary people like you and like me to do extraordinary things. And God used a seemingly insignificant story that we gloss over and I think we think we know more about him than we do, we don't. But he was the heaven, he was the earthly father to Jesus. And I have to wonder how much did his trust and obedience influence Jesus as they walked side by side, as they worked side by side. What a story. I'm very glad, and I hope you are too, that Joseph did not give up on the Christmas story. Because I think in Joseph, we get a glimpse of Jesus and of our heavenly father, laying his reputation on the line for the glory of God and the good of others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would just be convicted in our heart and in our spirit. That whatever lesson you want to teach us today, that God, we would, we, we would listen. And that we would have the faith to take the steps beyond that. I pray that for my own life, before I even pray for anybody else in this room, God, I need to be able to open my ears and hear you. Help me to do that and then have the courage and the faith to take my steps. Lord, thank you for the story of Joseph. I, I thank you for the people in here who are even the quiet, the steady, the strong, not the overt, maybe not the type A, the, just the support, the deep sense of loyalty and love injustice and God I thank you for that personality and may they be a testimony to us all and God wherever people are at in their journey today right now I pray over them that you would guide them in their next steps and that they would say yes in Jesus name